Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a fright. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode of the show, where tonight we're going to be talking about my film pick of the week, which is Torso, 1973 and directed by Sergio Martino. But before we get to all that, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Gorgie Keith. Hello, 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 everybody. Oh, hold on. Ciao. Hello. How's everybody doing tonight? Welcome, welcome back, and look forward to be talking more Italian as we go on with the show. And also, we are joined by the psychotic simian, the mad monkey, the prince from Moore's Day. Yes, get funky with the monkey. Oh, yes, motherfuckers, yes, here's another episode of Talking Terror, where I, the Bad Monkey, is here with the Talking Terror crew, where we will be bringing you the best damn hall podcast there is in all the land. We, the Talking Terror crew, will be coming in your ear for the next two hours with horror news, horror trailers, and all that good shit, because that is what we do here on Talking Terror, motherfuckers. So make sure you listen live on Spotify, make sure you listen live on iTunes, make sure you listen live on Blog Talk. It doesn't really matter just as long as you must have fucking listen. Bozy, bozy, map. Bozy, It's monkey TV. I do cocaine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why? Wow. The thinking of those California girls. Oh, oh, as the public's over here. <laughs> as a public service announcement, you know, as I as I want to do, uh, for those that do partake in things of, of powdery substances and things like that, there are tests now available to make sure that there is no fentanyl cut into your illicit drugs. So at least if you're going to do the drugs, make sure the drugs that you are doing are safe. That's <laughs> great. Hey, I'll tell you, that's what... <laughs> single bag of cocaine. Can you check it for me, please? Hey, hey, that's one to grow on. <laughs> no, that's uh, the more you that, know. No. Oh, <laughs> oh, there you uh, go. A shooting star. Seriousness, though, man. <laughs> <laughs> available, and it's better to be safe than dead. Definitely better to be safe than dead. And on that note, I would like to add because I know exactly of which products that our ghoul is talking about. Um, mm-hmm. I was, I've been wondering. You know, it's like. There's a million different questions you can ask about the, you know, American experiment that is currently in turmoil for a million different reasons. But I wonder how many people that are, uh, you know, against taking the vaccines because of safety concerns uh, will do illicit drugs that they buy out of a stranger's parking lot on the back, like, like outside the back of a convenience store. <laughs> Well, that's we're a parking lot. Yeah. A parking lot yeah. Give them like a big old thing of meth, but put the vaccine in it and be like, shoot up, baby. 
And then when they're done, you'd be like, ha, you just got vaccinated, sucker, and drive away. So they're high and vaccinated. So it's, I don't know if it works it's, it's exactly that way, but, I mean, I, I, I guess. It could. It could. It's going to be the new MTV prank show. Oh, you just got back, bitch. <laughs> you just got back. Why is that some here? You just got back. There's a camera. There's well, a camera. Oh, man, you guys I got could, me. I can play the devil's advocate to that one and be like, oh, well, you know, I'm choosing to put the drugs in my system. Nobody's going to tell me what kind of medicine is in there. It's not FDA approved. <laughs> Nobody wants to live forever. Except when you're doing cocaine. Then you just want to live forever. <laughs> Welcome okay, to the sociological so, uh, branch of Talking Terror. We like that fun here. Um, but before we get into horror news, uh, Ghoul Monkey, I know that you've uh, been keeping up on What If, uh, Marvel's new animated show. I have not. Uh, I haven't watched the next episode yet. Oh, I'm going to watch it tomorrow. But do you guys want to talk about it a little bit? It's the Dean's favorite part of the show. You know what? I'll be honest with you. <laughs> this episode was, was fantastic. I'm going to be real oh. quick about it. Really, there's, a, there's only one part of it that I really want to want to have anything to say about, and that was, you know what? Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. That is the last mm. time we will ever hear new content of him as King T'Challa, and uh, you know it's uh, it's definitely bittersweet, but but it is what it is. He'll he'll forever be our Black Panther. Uh, so that, it was a great episode, just like the first one. So uh, I am very much enjoying yeah. the series. Yeah, same here, man. It's like uh, again, I'm really surprised by how how well the writing is. It's it's witty, it's snappy. You know, it's they just keep it going, boom, 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 boom. It's like I, you know, I really wish the comic boom, had boom, been boom, written this well itself. <laughs> is just that's <laughs> a <So> fuck you. <laughs> but <laughs> but you uh, the the. The writers are just really nailing these first two episodes. I just hope it keeps the momentum going on. It's just I, I'm just surprised how well they're able to keep the the flow going in the stories and how they're just getting the one-liners in there too. And yeah, it's just I'm just really really pleasantly surprised by the series so far. Yeah, like cool. I said, it's been a lot of fun. It was one of my favorite comics back in the day, and uh, yeah, the spirit is still well alive. The animation is interesting, and the stories that they're they're telling uh, have been a, a lot of fun. And they they make sense. They stay true to certain characters, and then they have a little bit of fun with others while still keeping true to that character's uh, thoughts or, or ideas, but just turning it on its head a little bit. You know, like uh, like we say, somebody like Thanos so to speak, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, they're doing a great job with it. And, yeah, like you said, uh, still trying staying true to the characters, but at the same time having fun with the series. And, you know, also the, the great thing about it is just like the comic book, every episode is a one-shot, so you don't have to sit there and keep up with the series. You can jump in whenever you want and just have fun with it. Mm-hmm. A true monkey gives it three boom boom booms out of five. Let me hear you say Leo Leo. 
Leo Leo? Okay. Yeah, inter- interesting with you. Taking it back to the 90s. <laughs> it's almost just a jam. Okay, but since we're sitting there ha- having the, the nerd shit rolling right now, we might as well sit there and bring up the Star Wars Visions thing. Because this shit looks tight. <laughs> yeah, it depends on what your definition yeah. of tight is, Monkey. I think I'm going to sit this one out. Because I saw two seconds of it and I was like, ouch. That was too much like Spirit of the Way. <laughs> the, oh, look the at that. King's the King, favorite the King made an anime, anime reference. All time. <laughs> I, like I went Japanese like 10 now, seconds in, I was like, I was like, what the fuck is this? I was like, is this anime? Out. I was like, I'm sorry. You guys can, can geek out about it all you want. No, I'm, I'm good. If I never see another second of anime again, I'll be a happy boy. Because you were such a hardcore Star Wars fan to begin with, and this is what killed I know. you. Was, I was, no, we're not oh going to sit God. there and do anime. New Star Wars series. <laughs> dope. Where's my lightsaber and my fucking Boba Fett helmet? Wham, wham. This is going to be great. I'm like, anime? Boo. Dear Lucas, I do not appreciate what you did. <laughs> All right, but yeah, it's I thought it looked pretty rad. Uh, me too. It's like the the idea of them just again building an anthology story. You know, I believe each episode is supposed to be done by a different writer, a different animation studio, and each episode is supposed to be self-contained. And it's just fucking, you know, Jedi Samurai. Fuck yes, I will fucking take that shit. Okay, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, it just looks fun. I'm going to sit there and check it out. But at the same time, you know, hold, you know, taking it with a grain of salt, though, because I don't want to get my hopes up too high, just because, again, it's like I've seen anime attempts at Star Wars before, and it was some of them were really, really fucking solid. Some of them were uh, bloody horrible fan films. And we'll, we'll just see how this goes, man. But at the same time, I'm definitely going to give this one a shot. I uh, I think I'll probably be going into it with higher hopes than you, um, and higher expectations. I think uh, I love when Disney does this kind of thing, uh, where they they allow other types of artists to work with their with their realm, with their their world, their toys, their their toy box, so to say. Um, mm-hmm. I think letting them come in here, they're not beholden to you know work within the trilogy. Um, I don't know how they're going to work any of this as far as canon goes, uh, if it'll be almost like a what-if type of scenario where nothing that occurs here is considered canon. Um, or, or, yeah, I mean, listen, obviously it's not going to have anything to do with the Skywalker storyline. We know that much. We're not taking place where, within any of that from the looks of it. So this could be well, there'd be all Ewoks. over the place. It could, it's, Ooh, it's, it's very well possible, but we, but we don't know. Um, you know, there's, there's more things that we don't know about this series than, than what we do. What I do know is I mm. love the various anime styles. I thought uh, that it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun and, and a lot of nice takes on uh, what the Star Wars universe can bring. And it might give us an idea of what we may be seeing in the future as far as live action goes, too. Would be cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, Nicolas Cage in Star Wars, you never know. You know? I mean, that, that, that would get King <laughs> right on board with that. Oh, man, fucking Rage Cage is a Jedi. <laughs> well, that's it's funny that. that you say that because in the interest of the king, it just came out uh, earlier uh, before the show uh, that Nicolas Cage has signed on uh, to play uh, the father role, newly announced remake of 
uh, the never-ending story. So I think that uh, finally uh, the king will have some excitement. This is going to be a remake of the never-ending story? No, I'm totally making that up. That's a remake where you have him be actually the kid. You don't have him play the dad. You have Nicolas Cage play the fucking kid, as he is right now, (laughs) beard and hair, and he's just laying in a fucking attic somewhere reading the book going, whoa, it's like fucking blowing my mind right now. Can't take this shit. And then all of a sudden he's flying up to Alcor going, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) But in like – The king even knows the name. That's pretty fucking, you know, famous. It's his favorite fucking movie. He just likes to bullshit that he doesn't like it. I mean, he, uh, he, yeah. he, he, he loved it, man. He was screaming all over his feet when, so we, when we I took him. I have to have the, the dissenting voice. He's a simp. He's a simp for freaking uh, for Falcor, you know? I'm well, actually, I would, I would <laughs> see the we know the king likes him yeah. older, so he's more of a Morla, Morla kind of guy. <laughs> Unless my girl's a little bit older. Yeah, I do. I fucking like him older. But no, I mean, uh, no, I just, I would see a remake of Never Earning Story if he was a kid. You have to have him play the kid. Morla doesn't is, care. Like he never grew up. That would be great. Because <laughs> then he's just going to be Morla talking to this little care. girl. Whether home. or not he even cares if he wants the king to fuck him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember a lot about that movie. I remember there was that big dog named Falcor. And then they had that girl that uh, didn't have a name, and then he just named her, and he's like, oh, okay. Guess uh, I'll go home now. <laughs> you know, you, you have a point there, though. Okay. I have a question for any of you guys. and you, I mean, obviously, you know, King, you, you don't count in this, this but I'm going to ask. Yeah, you don't count, King. You, you know, don't count the monkey. It. I know I don't. Not in this, I because, because I know his feelings. He didn't see this as a child like we did. So, Dean and, and Monkey, so, honest question here. Did either of you have any fucking idea what name Bastion yelled out the window when you originally saw this movie? No, oh, I don't have a fucking clue. I don't even know. I don't even remember what the fuck you're talking about, so no. Well, so, it, it, wasn't, the, until, it, it wasn't until after I read the book. You know, the, exactly. So, so that's the quest. The quest, remember, is that Bastion, you know, ultimately is tasked with giving the the childlike Empress a name, and he talks about yeah. giving her, you know, his his mother's name, you know, through you know a quick scene in which he goes, "Oh, shucks, man, my mother had the best name imaginable," but he never says that name until finally at the end when he when he accepts his destiny. And he says, I will believe, I will, I will give you a name. And he opens up that window and he yells out into the lightning and the thunder and the rain and everything. The wind is going on. And he yells out a name. Now, I know the name, similar to the monkey, due to, you know, obviously reading the book and, and subtitles in, in movies nowadays. But, uh, but I can tell you, you know, that I had no idea whatsoever what was going on at the end of that film the first time I watched oh. it as a kid, nor any time after oh, hell that, no. until like many years later. I was like, oh, okay, he saved her somehow. I guess they just needed to yeah, bring Bastion in. It, it was one of those things that, like, you know, like you said, first time you saw it, you had no fucking idea what he said, alright? But I also thought later, maybe it was a thing of they did it on purpose so that you could put in any name you wanted, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, they're yelling it out and it's blurted out. So you can sit there, you know, if that's the thing where, you know, you're having that, you know, trouble moment, you know, because you're missing your mother or whatever, you could be the kid yelling out your mother's name to save the universe, if you will. 
Okay, but then it wasn't until later, like you said, you know, su- subtitles and then reading the book that, yeah, you know, you, you get the super fucking hippie name <laughs> that he yells out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Karen? Yeah, it's like it's like nonsensical, like what it sounds like in in the film anyway, but, but apparently it's, it's Moonchild. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> it sure is. It sure is. <laughs> then the movie and the king loves it. See, now mm, the king has have to wait a deeper love and appreciation for the never-ending story. His favorite no, part. He wants to go to the theater once again and bask in the glory. <laughs> yes, he wants to go no, to a theater where the, the hottest day of the fucking summer and the air conditioning wasn't really working right. So everyone was sweating their fucking asses off. King was fucking miserable as shit, eating stale fucking popcorn, you know, <laughs> recovering from the beer that so we shot done right before we had it was a horrible experience. It really was. <laughs> and then you stood up tripping and eating shit right over the fucking chairs as you want to go take a piss. What were you, what, what were you tripping on? What, what, what were you tripping you, on? I was like, how did you miss all those chairs? Like, he missed like an entire row. Like, he got up and he tried to do something cool, like step over the chairs, and then he just missed them all and then fell. And I was like, ah. <laughs> then he stood back up That's and he was like, lady. And I was like, oh, what the hell was that? <laughs> I, was like, you know, I was like, I'm already angry. I'm already tired. I'm already hot. I just want to go home. And then you're trying to be a funny monkey. Like, I'll cheer him up. I'll just fall over these chairs. And I was like, God damn it. Stop being an asshole. I totally forgot about me falling over the chairs. <laughs> King was embarrassed. Yeah, you, yeah that's the, see, that's the one thing I did he, remember he, from he, that fucking movie, is eating fucking shit. He could, he couldn't have been embarrassed. There are only like five other people in the movie theater other than, than our <laughs> small group. Oh, Who were totally in that to fucking It movie. sounds to me like he was having an embarrassing moment. You know, it sounds like when, when I do things like say, you know, obnoxious or loud things in a store somewhere with, with the kids or Bonnie, and they, they, they do that thing where they, they try to pretend like they're not with me in, in any way. But, <laughs> I still continue to do things like yell out their names in, in the middle of the place so that, you know, everybody knows exactly who it is that I'm talking to and about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I tickle people yeah. on the subway. You know, that, that works too. Tickle, tickle. <laughs> this is true. No. I can confirm. Hey, so, there's that. But all right. So with that being said, uh, Dean, if you want to get us into some horror news for tonight, what do we got Not going really. on? Okay. Well, moving on. <laughs> Talk about never ending story part two. <laughs> All right, so um, we've talked so many times recently about how this uh, this character out there, Noah Hawley, has so desperately for years trying to get an aliens project off the ground. And last we talked about this, uh, it seems that he had signed on to finally uh, do a uh, TV series, uh, and uh, he had signed that deal with the FX for Hulu uh, network, and it seems that they say that uh, this might finally get out there, and you can expect to see this sometime in 2023. Uh, a long way to go. Uh, no please. pressure. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> but I in, in more exciting Aliens news, it is the 35th anniversary of Aliens. Um, 
which is fucking crazy for me to think about that that movie's 35 years old. I've been having that thought about so many movies lately as I realize how old certain movies are. Like, uh, I can't remember what, but there was something I was flipping the other night, that was just, just like a night or two ago, and was like, what year did this movie come out? And I looked, and it was like 2000. I'm like, oh, my God, this movie's 20 fucking one years old now? Um, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, like American Werewolf in London turned 40 this week, and I think uh, uh, Monster Squad also turned like 35, I believe, as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the, and that's a good point. But the thing is, is that, and I, and I just, I just recently saw uh, American World in London uh, twice recently. Uh, it had been on the rotation, I think on uh, on the IFC uh, channel, and I, I caught like the last three quarters of it, uh, and then I caught like the first three quarters of it. So I've seen it like mostly twice, and. The thing is, is that when, when you watch a movie like American Werewolf in London, and even The Monster Squad to a degree, they still look of their time. And yep. like, yeah. you, like you, you watch them and they appear to be older. But, and I, I wish for the life of me, and maybe in, in an hour during our show, I'm going to blurt out the title of the movie. But the movie I was watching, <laughs> it's, it, doesn't look, it doesn't look dated in any way. Like it looks totally modern. Like people are on cell phones. Mm. Like it's not any kind of difference than something that looks now. And, and that's why it was so striking to me when I realized that it was 20 years old, because it didn't look like I was watching an old movie. But anyway. Well, that's the uh, thing. Aliens. 20 years ago, 20 years ago was just 2000. You know what I mean? So no, people I, I have know that. cell phones. <laughs> yes, I know. I understand that. But still, like, because when you watch a movie that's 20 years old, like, look, when, when it was 1990 and you watched a movie that was 20 years old, you'd be like, holy shit, that's an old fucking movie. Like, you're watching something from 1970, you know? Like, things look vastly different. And 20 years from now, like, like the year 2000, like, it doesn't have that same kind of, oh, look at that movie. Look how old that movie looks. Like, I'm sure some, some movies ah. have that, but, 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 here's, but not But no, really, here's the question know? then. Does that have more to do with our age at the time of seeing it? Because as a kid, you think of like your parents in their 30s or 40s as being old, as opposed to now when you're in your 30s and 40s thinking, man, 45, 46 ain't all that old. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I mean, maybe in a way. A when you're eight or nine, a 20-year-old movie looks like it's fucking ancient. You might as well be watching the fucking Egyptians do something with hieroglyphics, you know? No, but now course, that we're but, you know, in, in is, our 40s, 20 years ago, was like, shit, that's yesterday. I remember that shit. My, I think my, my existed, point is, though, is, is, is if, you, if, you, if I, I, I would have to look at, like, here's a list of all the best movies from the year 2000 and, like, pick a fucking movie. But I feel like if, if you took, like, a 14-year-old that had no idea – and you like put on a movie from the year 2000 in a lot of cases you could be like oh this movie came out you know a year and a half ago and they'd be like okay like it, it when it was 1990 when we were 14 and, and my dad would be like here check out this movie that's great from when i was younger and i'd be like put it on and be like then before i even like listened to any dialogue just from watching it I'd be like ah like this shit's fucking old you know, uh, nah, man. Anyway, I'll tell you, we put we put stuff on from like the late '90s, early 2000s here in this house. The first thing the kids, specifically, you know, the Sam Sam brings up is, "Wow, why does that why does that look so horrible? Why that computer is that computer graphic is terrible? That looks so digital. That looks so fake. You know, like if I was it is your kid, like Matrix, you'd, be like, you'd be like, why the fuck are we watching a cartoon right now? You know, like that that's the, the level that they are at, man." They need almost photorealism, you know, which is which is crazy. 
It's it's also funny because it's like you say that, you know, bring that up. It's like the very last movie that we watched for the summer while Ian was up here was I, uh, I introduced him to Blade Runner, the first one, you know, and we pop it in. And, you know, very first thing after it does the text is, you know, it's Blade Runner, science fiction movie of the future from the far flung future of 2019, two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> So Ian immediately Precisely. starts laughing. He's like, <laughs> you know, and immediately starts going to the, you know, awesome landscape that is, you know, Blade Runner. And he fucking loved the movie. He he did. He really dug the movie. But at the same time, he was just kept yelling, you know, where the fucking, where are our flying cars and shit like that. This is bullshit. The government's trying to keep us down. They're lying to us, you know. But yeah. <laughs> Damn it. They're lying. They're lying. We had, oh, you know, a bunch of inappropriate viewings yesterday is what, is what we did. You know, we allowed, uh, you know, Sam to watch the South Park movie, bigger, longer, and uncut, oh. to which what would Brian put down the proper, <laughs> That's you the proper laughing responses for, for, for all things. Mm-hmm. Yes, what would he do? He would, uh, you know, he'd make a plan and he'd follow through. That's, that's what Brian Wojnano <laughs> would do. Um, we, we also watched the uh, Freddy vs. Jason um, so, so there's a, a movie nearly 20 years old now that, uh, that she ended up, uh, she, she enjoyed greatly. You know, she, she really had a good time watching it. So. Good. Yeah, All right. Movie, Nary man. a complaint. The blood looks All right. Sorry. Dude, back to the back to thing. Blood never looks real. No. <laughs> All right. So back to horror news, Dean. Sorry. So what I was about to say. Uh, in other Aliens news, with Aliens being 35th anniversary, uh, Nerf, everyone's famous, everyone's favorite uh, soft, squishy toys. Don't get me started. Nerf (laughs) is coming out with a limited edition Pulse Blaster in October to celebrate the 35th anniversary of Aliens. Uh, You can Mm -hmm. pre-order this uh, at Hasbro Blaster and at GameStop. Uh, this will feature a power loader inspired design, uh, dual blasting action, uh, accurate movie sounds. Uh, it's it's a quite sizable, clocking in at 28 inches. Uh, there is going oh to be two two firing modes: a fully motorized flywheel elite, but also a pump action uh, mega dart blaster. Uh, so uh, there will also be an electronic dart counter on the side, just like there was the round counter on the Pulse Blaster <laughs> in Aliens. And um, if that sounds like your kind of thing, uh, you can clock in at a mere $94.99 uh, and Hasbro oh. and GameStop are taking pre- pre-orders at this time. Oh, is that it? That's pretty much. That's how I felt, too. You know, I was excited for this thing, and I was like, oh, my God, watch. I just, you know, I wanted to look it up. I wasn't sure if it was real or not. I was like, I'm going to find this thing, check it out. I find the damn thing. I find the place to pre-order it. And, like, my finger's, like, hovering over the button, and then I was like, oh, wait, let me see how much this damn thing costs. Figuring it's going to be, like, I don't know, maybe 50 bucks or something like that. Nah, double that shit. It's, like, 100, man, and I'm good. You know what? I, one, we don't play with Nerf shit here, even though we probably should. It would probably be a, a good way for us to get our aggression out in this household. Um, <laughs> but aside from that, though, the why, idea of why thinking, you, have so much you know, 
I'm just an angry fucking person for, for the most part, man. The world angers me. Stupid people on a regular basis anger me. I watch my Facebook oh. feed, and I see people from every fucking side of every situation, and I just want to kick them in their balls or their vaginas. Um, but that being said, if I had a Nerf gun instead, see, I can shoot them in said body parts with Nerf darts that are completely, oh. you know, non-hazardous to their, to their life cycle, unless it somehow goes in their mouth down their throat and proceeds to choke them to death. Um, that would be your luck. But yeah, no, at a hundred dollar <laughs> price tag, I am not paying for that damn thing, man. As cool as it is or not. Maybe if it looked full on realistic, but it's got all the Nerf colors and shit too. It's like yellow and gray. And <laughs> I'm good. I want that thing to look jet black, like it's the real deal. So cops can shoot. Why don't the you? Street. Bang bang. But you can, you can get it as <laughs> is, and you know, with with just a little bit of arts and crafts. Uh, you could probably paint it to your exacting specifications. I'll send you some pictures of things that I draw, okay? And that'll give you an idea of how well I paint as well. And uh, and you'll see my artistic abilities are pretty much fucking nil. Actually, it's a, a lot oh. harder to uh, mod a Nerf gun than a lot of people make it out to be. I've actually done a couple. So I'm just oh, like, you. you know, <laughs> that is not, it's not all that easy. you got to make it <laughs> You would I know. make poo-poo and fucking caca jokes. You know what I mean? I don't draw pictures. That, that's the, that's the, the monkey's gig, man. He's the picture drawer. You're the music maker. You know, I'm, I'm the fart yeah. guy and the king's the but one that's the horror you're guy. You're the poo-poo caca guy. I'm the poo-poo caca guy. You know, I play my dick like that. That's the kind of stuff I do. I'm, I'm okay with that. I accept it. My lot in life. Yeah, I go with swimming through the water, and then a big brown shark came. <laughs> yeah, he likes to talk about the dukes that he takes. That's pretty impressive. I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, I just, just be happy I don't show you. My just be happy I don't send you pictures, man. <laughs> no, because I would be terrified. I'd be like, what's that fucking monster? I have a friend that does that. Hotel? You don't like, want him to drop that. that. No. no, I'm Okay. No, nope. I'm good. I don't want to wake up to that. Does he still, does he still do that? Does he still do that? Do you... I actually I haven't got one in quite some time, but I'm, I'm sure he probably still does okay. <laughs> I wouldn't expect I anything that, less. I know who it is. So. Yeah, I know. I wouldn't expect All anything right, So what do, we got? what do we got? That being said, uh, we don't want to start any new trends here for, for our uh, – Listening audience. Actually, if any of our loyal fans uh, would like to practice their photography skills, uh, I can I can make sure uh, that these arrive in our very own King of Horrors inbox um, at any given time. So uh, just contact us on IG, and we can we can talk we can talk about artistic strategies. Uh, why do you guys hate me sure so much? Now, you know, <laughs> I, I want to pictures. I, I, I am so looking forward to the to the to the DMs of the uh, the Instagram. Thank you, thank you, Dave. Oh, we're not going to get the DMs. Um, now, oh, moving, on. Moving, right, moving, moving on, moving right, moving, moving, moving right along. Uh, so, right up, right uh, from like like the adults 19th, that we are, yes, grown <laughs> mature adults. From September 9th to October 31st. Uh, it's once again a time for Universal Studios Halloween uh, Horror Nights. Um, it was maybe this year that I was going to finally check this out, but of course the turn of the world will determine the fate. Uh, but uh, they have announced some of 
the features of this year's Halloween Horror Nights. And uh, one of those is going to be uh, the Terror Tram, which is some kind of train ride through the world of the Purge. Uh, there is going to be a, uh, a, a maze based on Netflix's Haunting of Hill House. Uh, there's also going to be a maze, maze based based on never get out of this maze. Uh, there will also be a maze based on the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, as well as The Exorcist. Amazing. Um, there's going to be an like an original concept uh, feature called The Curse of Pandora's Box. Uh, there's also going to be a fully immersive journey into The Walking Dead, and uh, they had something like this a few years ago. They are going to be bringing back uh, this big concept uh, based on Halloween 4. Uh, so uh, there'll be more te- details of that coming, uh, but this, uh, all of this stuff will be running from September 9th uh, to October 31st. I believe tickets are on sale at this time. Uh, I remember a few years ago they did that Haddonfield Halloween 4 uh, feature that I really wanted to check out, but I didn't go down there, and then mm-hmm. I was like, you know, it's one of these things. I have a friend out here that's into all this stuff, and you know, we had been talking about checking one of these out, checking this out one of these years. And, you know, with Del- like who knows what's going to be going on in October with Delta and everything. So, not buying any tickets, but it's not completely off the table that I'll check one of these out uh, this year. Wow. All right, cool. Indeed. Yes. Uh, yeah, we'll be a we'll be a fright fest. Fright. What is that? That's great adventure. Uh-huh. Great adventure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll be going a couple times probably. The kids are excited for it, especially the little one. She's, like, thrilled to finally be able to do it. Right. Awesome. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> so, uh, I said coming awesome, out, not fuck them. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. On September 17th, uh, Shout Studios is teaming up with uh, Abramarama Studios to bring you uh, the documentary uh, Boris Karloff, The Man Behind the Monster. Uh, on September 17th, there will be a limited theatrical run for this documentary, but if you wanted to to take a deep dive behind the legacy of Boris Karloff, you will now uh, get your chance with this uh, man behind the monster uh, documentary. So uh, keep your eyes peeled. Uh, maybe it will be playing at a theater near you uh, come September 17th. As we are rapidly approaching the fall slash Halloween season, Shudder, uh, everyone's favorite uh, horror-themed streaming service has announced a new docu-series, the premiere date of which is October 26th, and uh, this docu-series is going to be called Behind the Monsters. Uh, there, for this first season, uh, there is going to be a weekly release of each episode, and there's going to be six episodes, and each episode will cover a different Icon of horror. So, obviously, you can take a guess who's going to be in season one, and obviously, I would guess, and this is true, Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, uh, Freddy Krueger, Pinhead, Chucky, and Candyman. Uh, so there will Not be a never-ending uh, story, huh? 
not the Kingdom Neverending Story. I'm sorry to break your heart, King of Horror. Uh, but that is what's going on uh, behind the monsters. I wonder if it's going to be uh, similar in presentation to behind the music, uh, that old VH1 series that I think is making a comeback in some capacity. But, um, you know, uh, they will release one episode each week starting October 26th, right on the Shutter streaming uh, platform. Oh, they have to do it in that format. Enjoying the. Uh the Hulu exclusive show, uh, American Horror Stories, that uh, that has been going. We've watched, I think, uh, four four of the six available episodes, and uh, they've they've been very very enjoyable. The the we, the, the fourth one that we just watched kind of was like a play on the uh, you know the whole the Paul brothers as far as their their internet hijinks, and also features uh, Danny Trejo as a uh, as a Santa Claus. Involved in some, oh. some, typical, <laughs> some typical Danny Trejo esque badassery. So, yeah, you know, you know, Ghoul, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things I was going to say is that uh, they must be happy with uh, the outcome or the viewership because FX on Hulu has announced that there is going to be an American Horror Stories season two uh, that will be coming next year in 2022. Uh, so, if you've been enjoying it, there there will be more for your your viewing pleasure. Speed, well, stupid speed. Got a whole yeah. season to look forward to. Something else, top of the world, uh, huh? Ghoul. I know Ghoul. I believe that you've used oh, uh, the so films special. that I'm about to talk about, but I don't <laughs> recall uh, whether or not you liked them. But going back to he last October, were four films. Uh, were four films uh, under the banner of <laughs> Welcome to Blumhouse uh, that premiered on Amazon last October, and uh, that was going to be the first four of a series of eight films in this Welcome to Blumhouse series. And the next four films are right around the corner. In October, on October 1st on Amazon, you will get a chance to see Bingo Hell and Black as Night. And then a week later on October 8th, there will be one called Madras and one called The Manor. So the next four films in the eight-film series, Welcome to Blumhouse, uh, are hitting October. Uh, Ghoul, am I correct in remembering that you had seen the first four of these films? Uh, I don't know if I saw – I don't think I saw all four of them. I think I might have watched – Watched, watching, really. I think I'm I, I watching, watching. Um, <laughs> fucking words as I go. I, I believe we watched at least two of them. One I know for sure because one I believe was the lie um, with Joey King, um, and that uh, you know I, I found to be a tad predictable. Uh, but yeah, I think there, I might have watched one of the others, but I know for a fact that we did not watch all four of them. You know, that was one that we kept meaning to to get to, but then we have you know. A full season of Love Island or something to watch, you know. So somehow, oh, somehow wow. we made it through the entire. We made a. We made it through all thirty episodes of the American version of Love Island, and I did not get to vote. Sadly, God, so. you're a fucking. Creeper. I'm sorry that you missed that opportunity. Maybe next time. I know. Time. I, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping next year. I mean, I downloaded the app. I was all excited to go and do it, only to find out that, you know, they only give you about thirty minutes after, after the the episode to to, to vote, and that's it. 30 stinking minutes. Like, what the hell? Come on, man. You know, and this, this season was terrible. It really was. It, uh, it showed that, you know, we, as Americans, are, 
are, are very vain, very fake people in, in a lot of ways. Get out. Really? And, no. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> no fucking way. And I will, I will absolutely so say nice. emphatically that the two people that ended up winning this season had no right fucking to, to win that shit at all. Those bullshit bastards. Right? Bullshit. Someone Damn needs to let a stern letter to Fox or whatever station yeah. that's on. <laughs> This is your biggest fan speaking. Tell those fuckers. I am unpleasantly happy with how this season ended. You didn't even give me enough time to vote. How am I supposed to have enough time to vote when I'm too busy looking at the titties that are on screen? (laughs) You make it too hard, Love Island. I can only vote with one hand, and the other hand is stroking it. You know this. I know this. You're watching me right now. (laughs) Signed angrily, the ghoul and the ghoul gal. She's not happy. <laughs> Nobody got their yum yums last Wednesday night. No man. <laughs> you, you, you sound like you read my tweets. You know what I mean? When when I have I an issue with, with some some company going on, you know, I tend to really let let them know my my feelings on it. And uh, you know, we had that with Xbox last night. Could not could not mm-hmm. watch any of my my you know almost a thousand films because there was some kind of like major server issue on on xbox's xbox's end and you know i realized at the time that it was kind of like you know really keith like you're really going to be angry about this like come on 99 percent of the time you go to put a damn movie on and your system has no problem whatsoever it has no issues put on the movie and it's good to go but this one night, you know, I happened to just try to try to put something on to go to bed too, and it's like, nope, nope, not working. This and that, and you know what it is? Is, is yeah, it, it made me angry because my immediate response and thought is great. Something's gonna go wrong that's gonna wipe my entire fucking library out or something, and I'm not gonna be able to get this shit back. And I don't know why I immediately go to like that panicky type of thought, but I do, and then it just makes me angry. So, so I bitterly let them know that on Twitter, and that's that. like it when he's angry. And and that oh, and it was only fixed by this and, morning. But yeah, but those thought patterns are exactly why the king and I go physical. All right, we collect our collections. <laughs> we have them. You know, whether it's comic books, whether it's books, whether it's movies, whether it's music. All right, because I've just had it happen on other systems in the past where, like, the system crashed, the hard drive crashed, something where I lost shit. So no, never again am I going all digital with my shit. But here's the thing: see, the system doesn't; it stores the information and your purchases in the cloud anyway. So to to make the 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 the, the, the immature response that I was happen, having even worse is the fact that all I had to do was hit like a button on my television remote to bring me over to the Movies Anywhere app, in which I now have access to almost <laughs> half of my collection anyway. So it's not like I didn't have access <laughs> to the majority of my collection. It's just that I didn't have access to it on the Xbox. I still had it in other places, and I could still access any number of other apps through the smart television itself. It was some kind of whatever the issue was within Xbox that had to do with, with their, their – whatever software launches 
things. So whatever, like, boots up a game, whatever boots up the movies, all that shit, that's what was failing, so nothing was really working. So I know I wasn't the only one complaining. You know, there was a Madden just released, so, of course, every motherfucker under the sun is like, oh, oh, I bought the fucking MVP version of Madden, man. I got three extra days to play that. Not shit. every, not my, everyone, because I wasn't. <laughs> I said, everybody that is playing Madden right now, everybody that bought it, I know you're not playing it because you don't even have a next-gen system. You don't even have a last-gen system, so you shouldn't even talk. <laughs> Sorry. Vintage. I have a vintage system. Okay. And I will beat anyone in NHL 2014. Anybody dares to take me on an NHL 2014, I will take you down. What, what's if, that? By you any chance. Gold, wait. Were you challenging Gould to take my ball on the NES? Is that what you said? <laughs> Obviously, that's not what I said. I'll keep my ass left and right in any, any NHL game in any year. It doesn't matter, dude. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm good on that kind of stuff. The only sports game that me, me and the Dean can go head-to-head in with almost equal intensity and, and success and have battles with NBA. NBA my- game. That's it. You know what I mean? Because football, I'll kick his ass. Hockey, he'll kick my ass. And, you know, he'll probably kick my ass in baseball because I have no patience. I just fucking swing the bat at everything. I'm like, yeah, swing, swing. I'm going to hit it. Swing. <laughs> That's why I don't fucking play him for long. I'm like, you know what? I have to either play it on rookie difficulty so that I can hit the ball every freaking time no matter what I'm doing. I'm like not trying to aim at the ball. I'm not doing anything. I just fucking hit the one button to swing the bat and hit the ball. Um, but, no, once you go up to, like, pro difficulty or any higher, it's like, yeah, now you got to, like, actually – pay attention and work pitch counts and shit like that. And I'm like, yeah, that's a video game, man. I want to fucking, you know, I want to play as the American Dreams and baseball stars again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream? Dusty Rhodes, they have the American Dream. Get it. <laughs> Whenever I hear American Dream, I just go Dusty Rhodes for some reason. I don't know. He was a fucking man. No. Dusty Rhodes steps up to the bat <laughs> and then just starts beating the shit out of the pitcher. <laughs> Well, because he's going to be high in cocaine, first of all. Yeah, and then he's just going to throw the bat down and be like, I'm a wrestler, baby, son of a working man. And then he's just going to beat the fuck out of the, you know, the pitcher. And then he's going to dance over him. Like, this is the greatest baseball game I've ever saw. Like, Dusty Rhodes came back from the dead. He was fucking high in cocaine, and then he beat the shit out of that fucking pitcher. I love baseball. <laughs> he's just a working man. <laughs> These guys work. Oh, daddy. They just like, oh, repurposed the fucking real American oh. song. You know, they just just changed it a little bit and just gave it to Dusty Rhodes instead. So, and well, Hulk no, because Hulk Hogan was a real American, Dusty Rhodes is a working man. Hulk Hogan didn't know oh, what no. he meant to work. He just fucking wanted to rock out with an American flag guitar. You know, meanwhile, Dusty Rhodes is like a fucking plumber and shit like that, fixing people's houses, being a working man. I'm sure. The son of a he working was. man. I don't, know, I don't know if Dusty Rhodes himself ever had to do the, the working thing, other than working in the ring, which, you know, we all know is, is actually absolutely hard work. So I, I will never take it away working from our, our professional wrestlers. Working in the bedroom. Working in the bedroom. That's right. The kings of sports entertainment. Delivered us one of the, the – not only did, was he a success, obviously, but, you know, he, he wasn't too big of a success within the WWF, WWE type of deal. But he did deliver us one of the greatest performers of all time in the WWF, which would be none other than Goldust. I don't care what anybody says. That guy was fucking entertaining 
every time you saw him do something. You know, his in-ring work was solid. Oh, yeah. His character was fucking bizarre. And I'll give that guy a ton of credit for sticking with that shit. You know, he could have easily been like, you know what, man, I don't want to fucking do this. But you know what? Nah, he, he fucking played it. He was a weirdo, and he to loved the end. it. Great. Even when he got fake electrocuted and he had to act like, you know, he was constantly being shocked. But that was just a, he, he ran with that the whole time. Remember when he was with Booker T as a tag team and he, they went to the grocery store and he's like, Booker T, I'll take a sip of your icy if you take a bite of my wiener. Booker T's like, come on, Booker. It's the shattered yep. dream. Uh, wiener biting. Go for it. You had to be there, and you weren't. You were too busy playing NHL, 94. That's true. Gretzky had already retired by then. Gretzky had already retired by then. Take a boy. Well, I don't know. I don't, I'm, just, I'm just naming hockey players. Well, like, I'm here know. to educate you, kids. here to educate. Fine. I'm okay with getting educated. I just, you know, I forget sometimes. Got to remind me. Like, I still think Eric Lindros plays in hockey. I don't know. Remember that guy? No, he's long, 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 long. I don't know. What? Patrick Kane. I don't Patrick know Kane still plays hockey, right? Is that, that, Patrick is that Kane a current still hockey plays hockey, yes. There you go. Yeah, See, that look is at that. current hockey name. player. Jeez. Okay. All right. So moving on, Dean, what else we got? Uh, so, um, Gerard Depardieu. Just say no. Just, just, just so we know, like, Eric Lindros retired from the NHL, like, 15 years ago. And Gretzky even longer, but oh, like um, moving on. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, we talked about that, moving and we talked out. about this, and we talked about that. Uh, yes. Oh, uh, director Macon Blair uh, has announced that filming upcoming Troma Toxic Avenger film uh, has wrapped. Uh, this film, uh, which oh, uh, filmed in Bulgaria, uh, has wrapped. Uh, there is still no release date uh, at this point, uh, but we know oh. that this cast of this film is featuring such luminaries as Kevin Bacon and Elijah Wood and Peter Dinklage, amongst others. Uh, so I will continue to keep us abreast of Toxic Avenger news because uh, this is one that I certainly am excited about because I feel that we have had a world uh, without the Toxic Avenger long enough and it's time for Toxic Toxie, uh to come home and to, to, to save us once again because Lord knows uh, we need it now more than ever. Lordy, Lordy. Hallelujah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. You're you're welcome. And then finally, and I envision uh, maybe our King of Horror making this purchase. But, but uh, the King of Horror uh, is a fan of 1974's Black Christmas. Is that correct, mm-hmm. King of Horror? Absolutely. And in two copies of the 1974's Black Christmas, uh, there was a very unique sweater worn by Olivia Hussey in Black Christmas. Well, mm-hmm. the hands one. Uh-huh. The so hands hot. One. So, uh, Amalea's, unice- uh, Amalea's uh, Poltergeists and Paramours fashion line 
has announced that they are putting out a high-quality uh, retro 70s-era uh, cozy knit sweater, uh, a replica of the sweater that Olivia Hussey wore in Black Christmas. Uh, it's announced mm. that this sweater is going to be uh, unisex. Uh, it is being called the Unisex Dark Holiday Sweater. Uh, it is going to be made of 60% cotton and 40% acrylic, and it's going to be featured in sizes from extra small up to 5X. And uh, while I believe it is available for pre-order now, it will be shipping in November. Uh, this replica sweater does come with the hefty price tag of $90, uh, oh. but a unique piece a unique piece of film history uh, from Amelie's Poltergeists and Paramore's fashion line. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's, it's not bad. That's pretty close to the original. Um, it, it definitely, you're not going to have it in my size, so that's a big hard pass. Don't think they make it in, it's a, in, in you know, 4X. They said 5X. Oh, wait, they, it's up to 5X, oh. man. Wow. Oh, the small I might have to order 5X. it. I might have okay, to order this so, for Christmas. All right. So, Talking Terror IG listeners and followers, we're going to pull our money together <laughs> And get the king of our five uh, X yeah, sweater listen, for Christmas to our to our to our loyal audience, right? If you spent your hard earned money uh, sending the king of horror multiple variations of the famous Chia Pet, which, uh, on a side note, he is still actively accepting deliveries. Uh, but if you have been spending <laughs> your hard earned money uh, sending Chia Pets, maybe you should uh, put some of that hard earned money aside and consider gifting our King of Horror, this unisex dark holiday sweater, being that he is one of the preeminent fans of 1974's Black Christmas, and he would love to add this special piece uh, to his collection. Uh, so please keep that in mind as we get close to the holiday season. I and if you make this happen, <laughs> if you make this happen, pictures will go up on the IG. <laughs> and it so seems that on... It seems that in the Poltergeist and Paramours website that you can even uh, purchase this sweater in four interest-free installments of $22.50. That is amazing. uh, An economical way to shop. Um, And you can see as it's being billed as a a unisex sweater, uh, there are photographs of both men and women uh, wearing the sweater and uh, you know, what better way to, to, to dress uh, for the upcoming fall and Halloween and even Christmas season uh, than by wearing one of these beautiful replica sweaters. So uh, I look la forward la. to the King of Horror's acquisition, and um, <laughs> I know that he will be pleased with this. I mean, I'm not going to look at the beautiful as those people in the picture. If the king yeah. is doing a photo shoot with this sweater <laughs> on, all I'm requesting yeah. here, all I'm Glamour requesting, shot. it's got to be, Glamour. no, no it's, it's got to be the sweater and either boxers or tidy whities only, and that's it. Okay. No more. Sure. No less. Just a sweater, yeah. sweater <laughs> and tidy whities. Yes, absolutely. Okay, we'll paint you like one of fucking Jack's French girls. Well, the monkey will, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm not artistic. 
or do yeah. we have to do this night or do we have to do this 1980 style of you know one one picture looking straight forward with laser blasts in the background and then one picture yeah. looking to the side you know just yeah, want, fade, fading that. in the background <laughs> just me looking up at the stars and then just me looking straight <laughs> at the camera or just a fist under my chin like hey Merry Christmas 2021 <laughs> <laughs> where is it? well the ghost that I didn't have photo shoots for the 2022 Talking Terror calendar are now going into effect <laughs> Mr. December hey lady <laughs> Do you like your boys oh. plus size and bearded? <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh. Oh, oh, my. Oh, hey, George Decay. Do you want to get in on with me? Yeah, hell yeah. I'll be <laughs> December junior. Come on and lay it on me, George Decay. We can just lay on the couch together. Take that photo. <laughs> you smell like oh. Fritos and beer. Mm. I do. I really do. You caught me on a good day, Mr. Decay. It's going to happen. Talking to your calendar, 2022. <laughs> I'm like grossed out and slightly like wondering what this mess would look like aroused. at the same time. It's, no, I, I wouldn't go that <sighs> far. I, I wouldn't say I'm aroused, uh, interested, you know, titillated bike maybe it, to, to a degree, but I guess titillated is kind of like being aroused. The nips so. get hard. By curious. Possibly. <laughs> now, if Nothing anyone like knows a way to reach George Decay and we can make this happen, that would even be better. <laughs> Pretty sure you could just react to him on like, Twitter or something like that. Just be like, you know, my oversized friend with a beard wants to take pictures of you and only in boxers. Can we do that? <laughs> well, sure. I'm down for anything of you. Oh, my. He's a six. He's a he's a large six foot tall man and he wants to hold you like a baby in his arms. <laughs> I just want to put him in a baby Bjorn and carry him around town taking pictures. <laughs> I never thought I would say, but this is very comfortable, Kate. <laughs> I enjoy being in your embrace. You George, George the case Decay. George the case swallowed up like a baby Jesus in your arms. <laughs> <laughs> I've never felt safer than I am with you, King. Oh, that's so sweet, George. I really appreciate it. I do, too. I do, too. Oh, you're just the best. These pictures are going to come out great. I can't wait to send them to everybody. <laughs> Me, too. Can't wait to tell everybody at home. I'm at a giant man with a beard. <laughs> oh, man. Just the story that's running through my head right now. <laughs> Oh, King, I got us matching tracksuits for the weekend when we go to Fire Island. Aw. Aw. It says King of Nords and George on mine. It's so I know. We're going to be the talk of the party on Saturday night. King of George on the ball. Or, or yours, on the back of yours, it'll say, oh, and on the back the of ball. his, it'll say, my. Yes, I, <laughs> You're the ode to my my king. Aw. Aw, you too, George. You're the best. And your kisses are so soft and affectionate. I knew just for you, dear. Okay, so, Dean, do we have anything before we uh, get to the movie today? I had said at the, at the top of the last story, I had said, and finally. 
You did. I just wanted to make sure that we were clear because I wanted to get into some more tonight. Yes, and I, uh, I, 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 I took care, even given the side conversations and uh, chatter at the top of the hour, uh, you know, took care to make sure uh, we have ample time uh, for discussing tonight's esteemed film. Which we do. It's at 10 o'clock and we're getting to the movie, which is Torso from 1973 and directed by Sergio Martino, also known as The Bodies Bear Traces of Carnal Violence in Italy. Uh, so this film is a giallo and the plot follows a string of appalling lust readers involving two college students that shock the University of Perugia. Daniela, accompanied by three of her young girlfriends, flee to the safety of the secluded Villa St. Alba in the Italian countryside. However, the sadistic serial killer, who used a red and black scarf at the scene of the crime, is determined to finish the job, prepared to drench the girl's sunny vacation in blood. Who is the unknown murderer, and what is his motive? So that's just a brief overview of Torso. Uh, as far as what I think of it, I've watched this many, many years ago when I was starting to get into Jallos. So this is maybe 2000, 2001. Um, and then I eventually found out that Eli Roth uh, and Quentin Tarantino are big fans of this movie, so I sought it out. Um, and at the time, I was really big into Wichio Fulci and also Dario and Mario Bava. So I was used to Giallo's, but there was something about Sergio Martino movies that were so much different than Fulci and, and Argento. Because Sergio Martino was more of a psychosexual director, where he just wanted to exploit more of bodies and of breasts and, and behinds and all that stuff as opposed to Lucio, who just wanted to be extremely violent, and Dario, who wanted to be beautiful as well as violent. So Sergio kind of fell in between, because he did a lot of supernatural-type giallos, like The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, and also All the Colors of the Dark, which is my favorite Sergio Martino, which eventually we'll get to another show. But Torso is, to me, it's kind of like the prototype slasher from Italy. So you have Halloween in 1978. This movie comes out in 73 and also has all the trademarks of a slasher. But it's also a giallo, so it's kind of a lot of things. But, but that being said, uh, Ghoul, what did you think about Torso? So yeah, I would, uh, I do agree. As far as it, it surprised me in how much it played like a slasher film, um, especially when you know we consider things like Black Christmas, Jaws, Halloween, like all as early slashers, and uh, I think this would definitely be on that list. Um, as far as being a slasher, maybe not the highest quality of slashers. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it could, could be somewhere on the list, with like an asterisk and, you know, like a small lettering somewhere far down. Um, <laughs> that being said, as far as, like, the movie itself went, yeah, no, nah, this, this is definitely not my cup of tea. I love beautiful women, and I love naked beautiful women, but... Everything else about this movie just kind of like it was. It was probably the hardest hour and a half I've had in a long time, and I don't mean my wiener. I was <laughs> because I, I know that you don't like jellos, so I knew automatically you were not going to like this. And I was like, you know what, fuck it. If it's just me for an hour talking about Torso, so I'll be happy. So I'm sorry I didn't like it, but at the same time, yeah, we'll get. So, um, so that's okay. You listen to us talking about Marvel movies, so you're good. That's true. There we go. All right. So, Dean, what do you think about Torso? Uh, this is an interesting one, I thought. I had never seen this one before. And, in fact, I'm pretty sure uh, that this is one that I had never even heard of. In fact, uh, being that I was not on the show last week and uh, in 
the message that I got. It was just next week's film was Torso, uh, and that it was on Shutter. Uh, I, for some reason, had it in my head that this was like going to be like one of those like newer modern uh, Shutter films, and then I was surprised to see that this was a 1973 uh, Italian film. Now, uh, similar to what uh, the the ghoul had said. Uh, yeah, I, this played in a lot of ways like like a slasher. In fact, uh, I feel like uh, you know slasher uh, writer directors uh, just in the next you know ten to fifteen years uh, you know maybe got a lot of ideas from 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 this one amongst some of the others of this ilk of that time. But uh, I was conflicted here because in a way I did like this film. I found it to be. Uh, kind of predictable, uh, not necessarily the reasons for the murders, but like kind of right away, I was like the professor. That's, that's who you got to look at. Like I kind of figured it out uh, very, very quickly. Um, like a lot of films from this time, I, you know, and I, I feel like every time we watch something like this, I say it, I had some issues with uh, the pacing uh, and, and how long certain scenes took. Like uh, when, uh, when the first uh, two um, victims are murdered. Uh, Flo was the girl's name. Flo. Yes. Yep. The blonde and, and her that boyfriend in the victim. car. Uh, after her, yes. Yeah, after Flo. the after the boyfriend, after he after the boyfriend ran off, I feel like the whole sequence of her, like getting out of the car and kind of walking around and looking. I feel like I'm sitting here watching like. I'm like, this is like pulling teeth. Can like this take any longer to like get to what's going to happen? Um, Sean? And I felt that way in a lot of, yeah, I think so, in a lot of the sequences. Um, but uh, with that being said, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed, uh, you know, watching some of the ladies in this film and, you know, you know some of the violence as well. Um, I didn't love this one. Uh, and some pacing aside, like I certainly, certainly, even though it was predictable to me, I was certainly entertained by Torso. Okay. Monkey, what did you think about Torso? Um, straight off the bat, like, seriously, this movie just did not have enough boobs in it. Like, there was just seriously not enough boobs in this movie. I think this movie really, really needed more boobs. Um, <laughs> um yeah, I thought the ghoul was gonna fucking love this because of the, because of the amount of boobs in here. Um, but yeah, this movie is like again. <laughs> but again, it's weird how we all like that fell into the same kind of notions here. It's like because I also had it in my notes of you know this movie starts off as classic giallo and then works itself in, into a slasher. Um, and I also loved. The, sh- the shooting locations where they uh, – the villages where they did everything, it, it was just fucking beautiful. I loved all of the roaming shots throughout the villages, you know, and just being able to just catch all the old architecture that was going on. Like, I really, really enjoyed the shooting style that was going on in this movie. Um, and, yeah, it's just I, – I can see, like, how – like, you know – I'm beginning to appreciate this genre more and more the more I watch more stuff here. And, like, feel free to, you know, correct me here, King, but it seems like when it comes to Giallo's, it seems like the directors in the studios seem to take themselves 
on a more serious level than other filmmakers going on at this time. It's like, you know, they're making horror movies, but at the same time, they're being very serious about it. And it, to them, they're still making art. You know, it yeah. it seems like the the mentality of Giallo directors have this mentality of they're they're not trying to make grindhouse, they're not trying to, you know, just make trashy movies. To them, it they seem to have this mentality that they are making an art piece. Yeah, that's typically how Giallos were were filmed. Was that they were they were mysteries, but they were also beautiful in the way that they dispatched of women. So it's just very beautiful women and just artistic design to everything. Uh, they took it very seriously. It wasn't uh, them trying to be funny and them trying to, to insert comedy at any point. Um, they were just trying to make art pieces. And I think that Dario yeah. did it better than most. Um, but Sergio Martino shouldn't be discounted. And I think he does a lot of the time um, just because of, of his content, because it's more psychosexual uh, than the others. And he doesn't rely completely on gore and guts as much as he does on the women and his features and, and yeah. how the men react to them because it's very mean. It's angry. Very nasty. Sort yeah. Of Especially when we find yeah, out that, what the killer's motives are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that was one of the things is like, you know, one of the few grips I did have is when the movie goes into slasher mode at the end, like I was hoping for more gore like, you know, in mm-hmm. that thing. But instead, you know, like you said, he's going for a more of a psycho thing, you know, and, you know, so yeah. psychological. Um, and this mm-hmm. is the first time you've, you know, brought Sergio Martino on, you know, the show here, you know, bringing up any of his yeah. movies and, like, looking up his shit. Like, you know, he's got a long fucking line oh. of, you know, mm-hmm. his, his family history with filming and shit like that. You know, it's yeah. like, cause, you know, he's done over 50 movies I found out like uh and then he worked under you know Baba or uh sorry how do you say you know he he worked under him Baba. and then found out yeah and then found out his grandfather had you know he uh did you know who he also worked under did like over 100 movies himself and you know uh let's see here yeah Gennaro Righelli you know, did over a hundred mm-hmm. movies, and his grand and his grandfather did the very first Italian movie with sound. You know, so mm-hmm. you know, th- so Mar- Martino has like a rich, rich family history in film. You know, it's like, and mm-hmm. I, I find this really cool that he's carrying on this family tradition of you know trying to make you know art pieces here. Well, yeah, again, see, here's the thing, yeah. though. You know. I'm sorry, man. I don't mean to cut in there, but yeah, I get that giallos. The whole idea of them is they're supposed to be artistic, Hello? you know. And they like with Argento and stuff I like that. I definitely see, I see the art that is within how he frames certain shots. I see the art and how he colors certain things or the way he places certain set pieces. Um, you know, I even see the artistic on display as far as, you know, his, his nature of the killing involved in it. With this particular yeah. movie, I know this is a giallo, but I really didn't feel like there was all that much artistic design put to this film. I feel like everything artistic in this movie has nothing to do with the, with the director himself other than the fact that they're filming in the location that they're filming in. So, yeah, we chose this 
giant church to film a scene in. He didn't build the church. The church was already there. You know, when you're on location like that, you're using everybody else's art and then calling it your own. This movie, I mean, again, like I said, I, I like the, the women and everything with it, but it did not feel for as, and like you said, King, I don't like Jalo films. And that might be true. It may not be my, my bag. But at the same time, too, I feel like this is less of a Jalo film and just more of just kind of, it's almost to a degree. Yeah. And that's, that's what I had said at the start is that this is presented as a Jalo, but it's more exploitation. It's more slasher. Um, but it just, it, it frames itself as a Jalo so that it could kind of fit that category. I mean, I don't, particularly would want to put torso in the giallo category i would put it more in in slasher exploitation or psychosexual thriller than i would with giallo because giallo is much more about the investigation of the murders that are happening you know it's much more involved with the police and what they're doing to get the killer and in this one you do get detectives that show up and, and want to investigate what's happening but they go to a secondary <laughs> yeah, they go to a secondary kind of thing where it's just like they don't even matter anymore. You know, it's the people that are involved in the current situation that know the players involved that solve what's going on. So that's why I said you can't really technically call it a giallo because the mystery is kind of taken out of it, more so of the police investigation standpoint. And that's what always the giallos are about, was you always had to have some kind of hard-nosed detective investigating the killer and being obsessed with it. You don't get it in this one. You know, you get some detective work, but like, you know, Zed Gould. They just go away once, they, once the girls decide to go on vacation. It's just no longer becomes their, their investigation. Investigator like Martino the doctor that we get, like it should have been like the detectives calling into another precinct, so to say, and be like, hey, listen, you know, like this is what was going on. Or like the girls, while they're there, they get involved and they got to call the cops and that cop gets in touch with the other cops and they're like, hey, there's a killer. Like that kind of stuff. That's exactly what they said. Listen, I'm just repeating the things that I heard at home growing up by my great-grandmother, okay, which she was I heard it when I was like three because that's about as old as I was. But yeah, no, and just to to wrap up with with Martino, like what the monkey was saying is that, yeah, I mean, even the monkey, he bought me a Sergio Martino film without even knowing that I was a fan of Sergio Martino. And that was the 1975 Poli Stece film, Suspicious Death of a Minor, which is the first of a kind with him doing a police procedural wrapped in a horror film. So. Yeah, Sergio Martino is a name talked about a lot. Killing children? <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, no. That's of a no, minor? It's, well, it's children prostitutes. They're 12-year-olds. So, I mean, yeah, they are minors. So it's children prostitutes mm. in Italy. It's a great movie. I mean, it's, it's a, but it's not a giallo. It's not a thriller. It's more of a police investigation, you know, more of a, a cop drama, if you will. But uh, it's a good one. But it's one of the first of its kind. So Martino is kind of getting ahead of that. But. The one thing I do love about Torso... I'm sure somebody can find Hillary Clinton as the head of that group, too, so... Maybe. Maybe. Wow. Wow, getting political on the show. Because we never do that. Oh, I'm just saying, I'm sure... <laughs> um, I said somebody, I'm sure, could find. Not me, man. I'm, I'm not getting political at all. I'm just saying, these are things that I see on the internet. It's weird. People are strange. Um, but, you know, <laughs> with Torso and with any Jello, you're going to get plenty of red herrings... And I love the fact that any man that's in this movie is a suspect just because of the way that they act. I mean, first of all, Stefano, you think that's going to be the killer. 
Stefano constantly tracking after Daniela, you know, and wanting to go out with her, wanting to date her, not understanding why she's being such a bitch. You know, it's all that is Stefano. But thing, it was killer. Yeah, go ahead. Right. Uh, you know, David. with what I was saying before, though, that's why right away with Stefano, I was like, no, it was like too on the nose uh, mm-hmm. and too so very obvious. So immediately I struck him down as being one of the possible suspects. I was like, no, they're trying to make you think that it's him by his insistence and his pursuit and how she doesn't like him. But like, it didn't make, it didn't make any sense to me for him to be killing other people. If he was so fixated on, 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 on the one girl. Um, like I, I struck him down as a suspect very, very quickly. But now is that, you gotta remember something now, is that to us in our 2021 sensibilities and all the films that we've seen? And if we take this and look at it from a 1973 perspective, I wonder how the audience felt about it then. Especially, you know, and and again, we're also talking about a foreign audience over in in Europe. Uh, So I'd like to pose this question. If any of our listening audience does reside in the country of Italy and you are in like the 50 to 65 uh, possible age range and you by chance did see this film uh, back upon release, please contact us and let us know uh, what your thoughts are. Mm-hmm. Hello. That's, okay. how we lo- that's how we lost the Dean. Also, if you want to contact us, contact us through Instagram. And also, if you do, if you're going to do that as well, remember, that's also where you send your, your, your artistic pictures for the king. Yeah. There you go. But again, with Stefano, we also have him trying to pick up prostitutes off the street and still can't seem to get it up and then wants to beat the shit out of prostitutes. So Stefano definitely, def, definitely has some fucking issues when it comes to women. Anger issues oh. towards women, and he also wears a scarf, as we find out, a red and black scarf, <laughs> which is attributed to the killer, as we find out later on. But, yeah, the, or, the, the beautiful, beautiful or is it a black and red scarf? scarf. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll find that out. But, no, the, just that beautiful prostitute he picks up, I was like, of course, this is 1973 fucking Italy, where you can get this gorgeous-looking prostitute. And she's like, hey, I'll take you home. Hey, we can do whatever you want. I even have some Swedish porn we could watch. And whoa, she sees all that as a go. Stefano, just watch it with her, man. Like, you don't have to smack her around. Like, it's fine. Like, you know I mean? But no, he, he just, you know, he's riled up because of Daniela. But I, I do love that. What, no, he, he's riled uh, up because he can't get a boner, man. He's impotent. That's the whole thing. Well, he can't get a boner. Yeah, that's it. And I think it's also his objection. I think part of his fixation, you know, which again, we don't get much, we don't get much of a story for him, but I think a lot of his fixation has to do with the attainment of it. So yes, while part of it is the rejection, I think even if he was to get Daniela, his ding dong still wouldn't work. And that's what she kind of alludes to as far as like him having issues and whatnot, you know, because of something that we never find out what happened. Like, this is yeah. another problem I have with this movie. We get lines dropped, but then it's like, you know, again, maybe they just cut it, you know, because they just didn't want to have a movie longer than 90 minutes. Um, and thank, I thank them for that. But at the same time, too, it leaves a lot of questions mm-hmm. unanswered as far as character motivations. Yeah, because I mean, between, yeah, but, like you said, between Daniela and Stefano, there's, some, there's lines dropped about a childhood promise. We never know what yeah. that is, mm-hmm. but there's something between right. them about a childhood promise. There is, and it's just not something that really kind of bothered me. I mean, I, I didn't really question it too much. I didn't really think too much into it. I was just, 
I wanted to, to see what was happening, you know, next with, with the next round of, of murders because we had Flo and her boyfriend, Sean, that the dean was talking about that went on a little bit too long, and I agree. You know, the stalking did go on a bit too long, but you could kind of see this as a prototype for what would be to come in slasher movies where you have the situation of the boyfriend getting out of the car to check on the strange noise, and then all of a sudden he's gone, and it's up to the girlfriend to find out where she where he went to, but she ends up being dropped by the killer, strangled, and then being cut open and having her breasts caressed after she's dead, which is a, a, a motif of the killer that he gets real down and dirty with the fun bags after these women have been dispatched. <laughs> For some reason, he's just obsessed with the female form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I had no problem with the pacing just because, like you said, you know, for for the next ten years we're going to see this scene replayed a million times. Yeah. And again, I had no problem with it. My biggest thing was how the fuck did they get it on in a fucking Mini Cooper? You know, it's like you know, <laughs> he was a two pump chump. You know what? Did you see her with her top off? The and all of a sudden, he's I did it in the back of a Sunfire once. And uh, wow. You'd be surprised. That's the fact. That's the fact. That backseat. Yeah, yeah, it was, mm. and uh, and yes, it was. Uh, it was. It was definitely one of the. Uh huh. Yeah, it was. It was a moment. <laughs> See, I honestly <laughs> thought that do. the the follow, the uh, the following scene with Carol, um, who just gorgeous, you know, actress Christina Eraldi, who's actually a big producer in Italy, and she's producing Dario Argento's Black Glasses. Uh, which is his return to Java, which should be coming out next year. But uh, her playing Carol oh. as this woman that's devastated over the death of Flo, as being friends, goes to this gigantic orgy uh, in the middle of the woods <laughs> where it's nothing but dancing and smoking weed and fucking and, like, you know, there's all this stuff's going on. And she's getting macked on by two dudes, and she humiliates one of them. You know, well, I'm not going to take my pants off. You take your clothes off. And as soon as they start, she, she burns really home the cigarette and then goes out to the box. <laughs> yeah. But she immediately goes out yeah, to the she box. She blows them both and, off. She, she's into it for, yeah. at first, you know what I mean? But then she, she basically tells them to take their clothes off to put them in, you know, a, a susceptible position so that she can walk out on them. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's been interesting because this scene is what I really liked because I thought the pacing was great. Once she's out in the bog and you see that she's shoeless, the two guys are chasing after her. One of them flips over his motorcycle, and they decide, fuck it, she's not worth it. And that's when the killer appears in the fog. So wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Your favorite scene in this entire – give me that, Haley. Your favorite scene in the entire film has to do with her wandering around the fucking swamps of sadness. I was waiting for Artax's head to pop up somewhere, okay, as she's trudging through this shit. Okay, the scene played off like it was like a bizarre fucking nightmare of a dream. I'd love to know how they got to where they got to considering they couldn't get the fuck out of it all of a sudden. Okay, moving on, Carol dies, and the killer pokes out her eyes. So moving on from that, I'm not going to talk about why I liked about it, because obviously we just don't want to annoy the ghoul tonight with all that information. But anyway, so... Talk about the scene, man. You immediately jumped in and said it was very boring. You don't understand why it was my favorite scene. So we're moving on. Anyway... The police show that our class a scarf that connects the recent murders, and they start saying, you know, if you've seen this, you have to look into this. And this is Inspector Martino. Yeah, I'm a little bit. Uh, but Inspector Martino uh, is just not really quite uh, sure why these murders are happening, and he asks the class if they have any idea. Of course, none of them do. Uh, Danny gets home, and she gets a phone call from the killer, which, you know, is 
kind of giving her some knowledge about the scarf, but not really. It's just a weird voice kind of. Um, and Danny's uncle, who is kind of weird on his own way. Oh, uh, hell yeah. Maybe <laughs> suggest, yeah, you know, just, uh, just suggest, you know, because Jane sees this, and because he's talking to Carol, it kind of suggests that maybe Carol and Danny's uncle were fucking. You know, we never really quite get into that. It's never really revealed, but it is kind of her calling him a worm, you know, and them fighting. So Jane already has this knowledge of something weird going on between the uncle and Carol. And he's the one that suggests that Danny go into the country in Perugia just for a couple of days to hide out and relax while this killer just gets down. So the best thing to do, you know, for you guys is just to go away with Ursula and Katia, the lesbian lovers, and Jane. Let's just go to the, the villa relax, we'll eat some bread, we'll drink some milk, and this whole thing is going to blow over. Fine. Yeah, as as, so, if, as he said, you know, go, go to the via. I was like, oh, yeah, go to the cabin in the woods, because that always works in horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, we see that James also kind of on Stefano's side during this time with, against Daniello, where she's like, maybe you just don't understand the guy, you know, and I'll talk to him, and we'll we'll straighten this out. So it's a lot of Jane wandering around Stefano's place, and like the monkey had said, we find out that there's a letter, that something had happened between them, but we never really quite find out what it is. Um, never really pays off. Um, and at the same time, we have the scarf seller, uh, Gianni, who is selling scarves by the roadside that's similar to the killers, <laughs> and making a lot of money off it, but we find out that he's also, he knows who the killer is. And obviously, he wants to get blackmailed, give me three million lira, and meet me at this place, and uh, well, just be fine, and then you can move on. He gets paid, but meets the open price when he gets crushed by a car. And just beautiful head crushing <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> so there's nothing left of this guy's head. It's, just, it's a great crush. <laughs> I, yeah, I, this is what I love about those scenes. Is I, <clears throat> I, I love the effects. I love that they try to give the gore. <clears throat> Excuse me. But also, the like... You can see that this is them trying to create these new kind of effects that have, you know, not really been done before. You know, just these kind of gore effects and just the steps that, you know, they're starting to change, you know, throughout the, you know, next, like, you know, you know, five years or, sorry, eight years where we get to Friday the 13th. You know, it's just them starting to take the steps of just putting gore out there on the film. Um, and them having to just come up with ways of creating this stuff for the first time. And it's it's pretty decent to look. I mean, it's not a complete head crush, which we'll see in the 80s, like Tom Savini could create, where he just completely destroys the skull and there's nothing left. Um, even with Carol, when she dies, after she's strangled, the killer pokes at her eyes, like he does with a doll that we see throughout the movie. Yeah. And it's decent. You know, it's also 1973, and... They're trying to do something. They're trying to make it a little bit gory. They're trying to make it a little bit bloody. But, you know, to me, it's just I don't really need this movie. I don't need this movie to be that bloody. Like if, if you could just make it kind of interesting I what do. the killer is doing. Uh, well, there we go. So, you know, so we need one for blood. You know, I don't mind it. I just I don't need heavy blood. Blood, gore, and boobs, um, you know, helps speed these slow-moving films along. <laughs> Well, I think we got boobs in this movie. I mean, we got a couple. Yeah, but, but, yeah boobs yes, are kind of I, I agree. I, ample. I liked it. That's why I was hoping the dude would like it. I was like, dude, there's so many tits in this movie. He's going to be like, dude, there's that little tits in this movie. You know? So many boobs. But, 
But I, I did have to laugh a little bit at this whole crushing scene or whatnot because every time the engine revs, it was a motorcycle engine. I could tell. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> well, of course you so Because you could probably tell so every awesome. car that was in this movie. No, actually, that was that. That was one Whoa. of the things that I was really that was I was really enjoying this movie because I was having to look up all these new kinds of vehicles that I'd never seen before. Because again, Italy, nineteen seventies. I was I was loving all of the odd uh, cars and vehicles that were being used in this movie. Just so many weird shapes and sizes. Of, oh shit, man! I was just having such a great time doing research on the vehicles. <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to be researching any, like, especially uh, Jane's car. I was like, watch him look this fucking car up. and be like, I know exactly what kind of car that is. Perfect. Yeah, it was a Peugeot Renault. <laughs> Perfect. We really expected. But, but, that, but, um, that I, but, that, but you could tell that just from the uh, symbol on the grill. <laughs> oh, I couldn't. I, if you asked me to rewatch it and name it, I wouldn't be able to. Just, it's a red car. <laughs> Red sports car, you know, and it's obviously American because he's driving on the right side, not the left. <laughs> obviously, it's it's not in the town, you know, uh, uh, type of car that you would see in any other country, you know. But um, uh, we get our Euro trip moment where they're on the, the uh, train going to Perugia, <laughs> where we get introduced by Roberto, who joins in the compartment. Katia and Ursula are asleep, and Daniela is reading oh, the paper. He just sits oh, down with that warmy smile. Scusi. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, look, you got the Euro trip moment because several times, even before then, there was a lot, well, many characters. Miscusi, Miscusi, Miscusi. And it was like, oh, Euro trip. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just, I, I saw this scene and I was like, oh, we're getting our Euro trip moment where they're on the subway, you know, I mean, on the train. I was waiting for them to go through a tunnel. Oh, that's a long tunnel. <laughs> Then they come out and Roberto is smoking a cigarette. <laughs> just just to weigh in on the uh, the car thing real quick, just so you know, too. Uh, in Italy, they actually do drive on the right-hand side of the road, just like we do. Not oh, like, uh, so there Britain. we go. See, I did not know that. I'm not up to date on my, my uh, driving in Italy. That's interesting. I just thought that was an import. I was like, maybe she got an import, you know, and drove it up the hill to the villa. So that's very interesting, cool. Um but what I do enjoy is when they get to Perugia and you have Katia, you know, sitting on the back of, you know, the tractor, because that's how they get up to the villa, is on the tractor. <laughs> you have all, like, the Italian boys going, oh, very nice, very nice. Check out her legs. Oh, oh, mama mia. Like, you know, like, look at her legs. Can, oh, man, that could fly most. You can see all the way to the source of the Nile. You can see everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then you just get the most stereotypical Italian woman ever trying to drag her husband away. Hey, 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 come on, come on. Like, you know, stop looking at her. Like, wow. You know, it looks like the Prego commercial woman. <laughs> but again, just everyone just, you know, like you said, balking and staring and stuff like that. Um, And at the same time, I am enjoying them, you know, putting a woman of color in there in the spotlight and, you know, just showing off her beauty in there. Mm-hmm. And they're also just really enjoying the fact that they're being ogled by all these guys. I mean, it's, just, it's fun. You know, while they, I don't know, it's so dangerous, though, when they put that paper bag on top of that tractor and they just drove it up the hill, I was like, that's going to fall off. I mean, yeah. No yeah. way that's going to tumble off. 
I know, I know she was sitting up on top of there and everybody was leering and crowding around, but like, I, I did think for a moment, I'm like, all right, so these women are getting on this, uh, you know, on this tractor that's going to take them to the villa, uh, for their vacation. And as they're, but like, there's beautiful women all over the place. Uh, I just was so surprised at the, just the fact that them getting ready to go on their trip drew such a massive crowd, like crowding around them. And and it just, it just, it was such an odd scene to me. Because there was some pretty girls in that crowd that was watching these girls. So, yeah, like like you said, Dean, like there are some beautiful women in this village. For some reason, they're different. You know, I don't know. You know, I just maybe they've never seen a woman of the Nile before. It's just it's so interesting <laughs> to them. That, that's how I took it. Is. She was supposed to be something exotic yeah. to them that, you know, they'd obviously never seen. Well, probably was. I mean, <laughs> you, know, you know, they don't get a lot of, you know, exotic looking women, you know, in this villa. You know, where they have one person deliver groceries, like, and I spit on your grave. Except this guy didn't rape anybody, which is great. <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh, no, boobies. He was just about bread and milk. That's all he was about. <laughs> he was so responsible. I mean, because there, there is that moment when he's talking to those guys in the street that the killer finds later on in the movie where he's like, oh, no, no. He's like, there's more than three. There's four. And then he's like, I'm telling you guys. And she's beautiful. And she came up to me and he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I was like, wow, I should have gone and put in your grave real fast. Instead of like, whatever. Yeah. There's only three. <laughs> you know, don't worry about it. But um, Jane uh, does join them eventually. Uh, she leaves her car with a mechanic, you know, at the bottom of the hill to kind of work on it, wash it, give it some gas, and she's going to come get it. Um, and then when she's off to the villa, she tells Daniela, there's no way Stefano could be the killer. There's just no way. There's no evidence pointing that way. The scarf doesn't match his scarf. And that's when Daniela starts to doubt it. And, uh, maybe, you know, maybe it was black on red and not uh, red on black. I don't know, you know. <laughs> so it, it's Daniela maybe thinking that it's not actually Stefano. It could be somebody else. Either way, they're on yep. the so yep. they're But in the meantime, let's. But in the meantime, let's have a girls' party and let's get our drink on. Hell yeah. <laughs> of course. I mean, just you're hanging out. It's vacation. You know, I love the fact that they're sitting on the front lawn butt-ass naked, you know, while Jane's upstairs and just laying out when the guy with the bread and the milk comes over. And he's like, oh, they're naked again. Yeah. Oh, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, the milk man's yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, but, but again, also, uh, you know, Martino here, you know, being pr- – very controversial here of not only showing a lesbian couple, but also an interracial, you know, <laughs> lesbian yeah. couple here. You know, be, being very, very edgy here on something that's still, you know, to this day, unfortunately, very taboo. It is, and, and we do yeah. get the, the very kind of central – go ahead, uh, go. I'm sorry. What were you going to say? Oh, no, I was just saying here in the United States, you know, we're talking about uh, another country completely with completely different – yeah. Mindsets and people, they're a little more liberal and a little bit more free as far as those kind of things go, so it's not surprising at all. Yeah, I, I even think now, they, you know, the U.S. would be a little bit more tight-lipped about it, you know, than Italy would be, you know. I mean, and it's, especially when you get the, the very soft love-making scene between Katia and Ursula, you know, it's just undressing and a lot of touching and not a lot of kissing. I mean, even when uh, Katya goes in to kiss, they block it with a, a wooden statue that's on the bed. So even that's kind of like, oh, so a lot, but we can't show these two women kissing, you know, which is weird because yeah. they're, they're pretty, like, liberal in, in Italy, you know, like you said, Google. So 
I'm surprised they, they did uh, that, but at the same time, this is the killer being cock-locked. They had to kill that shooter. Yeah, I, th- I think it was a mix of that. That might have been one of the more artistic moments of the film, but also it might have been, a, you know, in order for it to be released in the theater and not be considered porn type of, of thing as well. Yeah, because it's, it's not... It's weird because we watched sex, two guys you know. manhandle a chick and fucking suck her tits and do all kinds of stuff earlier in the film, too, but we can't do two girls kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but also you like you were saying though um at the in the very opening scenes as well when we have the scenes going on with the camera and all that kind of stuff there is a lot of yeah. blurring going on of stuff there you know, is. things will come in and out you know of focus and again I think you brought up a good point king of so it wouldn't be regarded as porn. Oh, that was cool. You brought I, that I, up. So, yeah. I think this is where Zack Snyder learned all of his tactics, but, you know, you guys think it's a hack. <laughs> you know, but uh, Stefano did track him down to this villa. Daniela sees him, calls out to him, but he, he's just too scared, so he's just going to stand behind a bush. Oh, gee, you know, you caught me. I was just standing and watching you. Oh, gee. <laughs> like Michael Myers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys need help? No, okay. Like, you know, but... Um, but later, once Daniela doesn't get him to come, they find out that the phone is dead in the villa. Uh, and they don't really know why that is. And when they open the door, they hear Stefano at the front door wearing the scarf. But he's dead. So there's our uh, uh, red uh, herring right there. He's, he's out of here. And it just reminded yep. me of, of uh, Summer Party Massacre when the uh, pizza guy comes to the door and he's got his eyes poked oh, out yeah. and just falls into the foyer. Um, but what I neglected to mention is that Jane had been taken out of this movie uh, as soon as she arrived because she doesn't know how to use stairs. Because when she goes down to meet the, uh, the milkman, she trips and falls down the stairs and, and sprains her ankle. I, just, I still couldn't figure out how she did it. I mean, how, wait, do you not know how stairs work? One at a time. She's just like, oh. Based on, based on the tumble? I don't know mm. how she got out of that with just a sprained ankle. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it should be cracked. Yeah. Like, there should have been a, some cracked ribs, a broken wrist. Like, she should have been way fucked up from that tumble. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, 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 that was a hardcore che- Chevy Chase ball down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, it was a good Pratt ball. And, you know, Roberto was the one that patches her up, who could potentially be our next red herring. I, don't th- I never suspected <gasps> Roberto. I never thought at all that he could be the killer. Just was something about him. It just, you know, didn't ring that he could be the murderer. Just, he just seemed like a nice guy and just was a doctor. So I never really suspected it. But uh, after Stefano falls to the floor, we hear the girls scream and scramble. And we get to the next day where Jane wakes up and she's like, oh, morning, everybody. I'm fine in my ankle. It's all healed up after a day. So what, what are we doing? You know, and we find out that Ursula and Katya have been killed. And unfortunately, Daniela playing the long game as Janet Lee, because I thought that Danielle was going to survive the entire movie, and she doesn't. She ends up getting her throat slashed, and they kind of do the long game Janet Lee, where you think she's going to survive the entire movie, and at the end, towards the third act, they kill her off. And she is falling to the floor to death, but not able to tell Jane anything. So this is where we begin the long game between the killer and Jane, where the killer has a lot of things to do with these bodies. He's got to get out. You know, he's got, first of all, he's got to bury Stefano. He's got to get rid of that body. So he's going to get rid of that one first. He's going to bury that one. Then he's going to go back inside with his, with his handsaw and then just start cutting off the you know, arms and limbs. And you know, he's just very busy. He doesn't have a lot of time. You know, he's got to take care of these people. 
he finds a pair of slippers and not knowing where they go to, he just throws them in a spare room and, and locks one of the doors and leaves. So whether at the moment he knows, no, no, he's just no. But again, like a lot of giallos, <laughs> human bodies are just so soft and so easy to cut apart. You know, where it's just like, man, no resistance from that saw, nothing, just you know, cutting right through the bone, no problem whatsoever. Oh, yeah. No problem. No bone that gets in the way. Just you know, just slicing it like it's a nice piece of ham. You know, when he's putting them in the uh, the paper bags to get rid of the body parts. <laughs> you know, and you know, but um. Throughout this whole thing, he doesn't know Jane's there yet until he overhears the conversation that we talked about. But I love how Jane uses a mirror from on top of a hill to get somebody's attention. So as an audience member, you see, wow, that's got to be pretty effective. But I think this village is pretty fucking chill on not doing anything about anything. Like, even if they saw it, they'd be like, ah, it's not my problem. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't want to know what it is. I got spaghetti to make later. I, you know, I don't, I don't have time to get involved in whatever that flash is at the top. Because even Roberto is down on the hill in the village. No, he don't see it. He just keeps on driving. So I just think the village is a very mafia-run village. Like, I didn't see nothing. I didn't see nothing. I don't know nothing. <laughs> just going to go get my brother. Oh, nope. so, like, tying it back to, like, the beginning of the police investigation, I just, I just think it's funny that, like, no one was going to do anything about it, but how the police were like, look, really, uh, you know, if, if there's any information you can give us, like, just please, like, we are the police. And, like, once you help us out and give <laughs> yeah. us some information, like, you can go back to stoning us in the streets. But for the time being, <laughs> please, somebody give us a hand. <laughs> hey, we don't know nothing. We don't know enough about no killer with those scarves. Hey, <laughs> we would just want to go back to the business of hanging our laundry. <laughs> hanging on. <laughs> <laughs> Also, yeah. it seemed like, you know, the villagers definitely had the mentality about, you know, the family that owned that house, the fa- you know, the women that were going to visit, you know, that they were just too snobby for people in the village. And, you know, leave them alone that, you know, they're above us, you know, because when the guys are walking around in the street and talking about her and how, you know, they're all talking about how they loved their legs and, you know, they were so hot and whatnot, but they're like, yeah, don't even try, man. You know, <laughs> they're untouchable compared to us. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're models, you know, compared to, to what they could get. So that's why they say just leave it alone. But that's also, like we had said, that's how the killer finds out that there's another person in that villa. So now he's got to go back and figure out what the fuck. Like, fine. Like, I clean up all these bodies. I bury people. You know, like, why do I got to go back to this villa and do more work? But he does. And it's an in- I got- really fun secret. And go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say no, just, just like you were saying, man. I got to go all the way to the top of this fucking hill again. Yeah, <laughs> go, go take care of business. But yeah, like you yeah, were like, saying, we get to a, a really fun sequence. <laughs> the killer angrily cursing to himself as he has to put on his mask and go back up to the hill, <laughs> you know, where the villa is. Um, but it is a fun scene though because she gets the idea to put the newspaper down on the ground so she could push the key out of the door so she can get the key and unlock the door from the inside. It's cool to see her actually think about a way to escape. Unfortunately, the killer's just kind of hanging out, smoking a cigarette, eating a piece of pizza, you know, waiting for her to do this because he knows it's going to happen. In Italy, man, they have have some primo pizza. I would be eating some pizza, too. I'm sure that they do. (laughs) I would love to have pizza from Italy. I'm sure it would be fucking knock my socks off. Like, you know, Lancaster pizza. (laughs) <laughs> There's nothing on, on, a, on a, an authentic, you know, Italian pizza. But um, so 
the killer sees the key drop to the floor, obviously missing the paper, but he's going to help her out. He's going to throw that key onto the paper and just be like, oh, it's going to oh, wait. What a nice, gonna, what a nice guy. <laughs> right? He just wants to see how this is going to play out. <laughs> Finally, Dane retrieves the key, opens the door, and who else is waiting for her but the Dean suspect, Franz. The <gasps> professor that she was gonna date, gonna check out, and kind of in her too. But this isn't the Franz that she met earlier. This is a more frantic Franz. Who oh, yeah. Both surprised to see each other. But Franz tells her immediately, I had to do it. Just, the, the women, they were, they were only dolls, stupid dolls of flesh and blood. And she's like, what the fuck? What are you, what are you talking about? And, and then, then we get a fucked we, up we, flashback. We've got to get the flashback. Of Franz and his brothers, Johnny and the girl. Take off your panties. You promise. No, you get the doll first. And as Johnny goes to retrieve the doll, the girl screams Johnny's name and he falls to his death. And I just, I love the fact that Franz describes it as a bloody fucking mess. But meanwhile, it's just a kid falling, like half a foot. But he's probably still alive. (laughs) Like, (laughs) he looks fine. Looks like he just knocked himself out. He's fine. No, man, because they threw that fucking dummy off, like, you know, fucking Milo and Otis style. They threw that fucker off that cliff, man. <laughs> yeah, they definitely flung it, but when it, they show it as composed to where the girl and, and Franz are, it's like, oh, that's like a foot. Oh, you can just climb down there and touch him. <laughs> it's not even like it's that far. But this is, of course, what leads to Franz becoming a psychopathic killer because he believes that women bring nothing but bad things to men. So, again, you're, like we said earlier, you're getting that mean streak of why this particular man does what he does, but it's a common thread in Jello, where men are committing violence against women in very nasty ways and blaming them for things that they shouldn't be blamed for. But in this case, Franz blames that little girl, and he's taking it out on them. But also, he also doesn't have a wiener that works, because that's what... Carol and Danielle. Well, it all comes down, to, man. It all comes down to no peen, no no working peens, and 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 then you have a bunch of women getting hacked up. Frustration. <laughs> it's also before Viagra, so they didn't have any pills that could make their dick grow. You know, just like taking one and going ha ho, and now all of a sudden they're ready to go. No, this is seventy three, so they didn't have those yet. So. No, you man, you needed some horny goat weed, man. Yo, him back. <laughs> There's probably something in that village where they might be able to find some, you know, sexy goat weed that eat. But no, um, we do get that cut to the beginning, like the monkey was talking about, with the flashes of the naked boobs and the girls, and we find out that one of them was Carol. Uh, we find out that you know she was getting her pictures taken with the weird dolls, and they were blackmailing him because they probably seduced him, and he just couldn't get his dick up. And it's a, it's a big problem for these men. <laughs> you know, Stefano can't get it up. Uh, Franz can't get it up. So, I mean, let's just, let's just kill women. Pizza. <laughs> Maybe they it need some be. jam. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's just a lot of Alfredo sauce. You don't want to eat too much Alfredo sauce because it's, it's thick and it's rich and it's just it, it's going to make your dick not work after a while. So, it clogs your arteries. Um, <laughs> no blood flow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Italian men, they live to like be 90 and 100. So, I mean, there's got to be some kind of a fucking magic thing that they're doing out there because they live for a long time. Drink a lot. A lot of fucking wine. A lot of J&B. And I love the fact that they showed a J&B bottle in this because oh, that, that's a clear throwback to Jell-O because back then J&B sponsored these movies and helped produce them. 
So J&B oh, really? was a big thing. Oh, yeah. So if you watch a Jabo from the 70s, I guarantee you're going to see a J&B bottle. Green bottle, yellow label, J&B in red. You're going to see it because J&B used to sponsor a lot of these movies and a lot of the actors, too. So the actors felt obligated to be drinking constantly from J&B bottles. Oh, okay. That's cool. Big trademark. Big trademark of, of the Jawa genre. So if you watch any, even Argento, if you watch any of his, there's a J&B bottle somewhere. And they're drinking it either from the bottle or in a glass. But it's just because they, that's who is giving them money. They felt obligated to, to do something, you know, and get it in there. But um, Franz, of course, admits that to, to, to he's a black male. And he never wanted to hurt Jane. Jane, he was kind of attracted to, and maybe he might even want to ask her out on a date. But now that she's seen his face, just like everything we hear, if you see a person's face dropping you, they're going to kill you. So, of course, he saw her <laughs> face, and now he has to kill her to keep the secret intact. But just as this happens, Roberto arrives to the rescue. They have, a, they have one of the most impressively bad but also kind of fun fights. There's no music. It's set to no music. And it's just the, the smacks of them hitting each other all through this barn, all through the backyard. There's a couple of karate kicks through a window. Roberto goes yeah. flying through at one point. A, a, like, a know, fucking drop kicks? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's flying, just... Flying, spinning, really drop kicks. Fucking busted out that move like crazy. Oh, yeah, man. man I was it was waiting, just like... I was, <laughs> I was waiting for one of them to drop an elbow from the rafters up in the fucking uh, farmhouse, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you know, making like Bruce Lee sound effects as they're hitting each other through this barn. And going right conveniently to a cliff, because everything in this movie involves a cliff for some reason, where there's just cliffs everywhere, including the barn. Yeah. Because they're on top of the fucking mountain. That's why, man. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I just, I love the fact, they could, he couldn't just strangle him in the, the barn or use a knife or something like that and stab him. No, it's like, we need the cliff. We're going to use the fucking cliff. Sergio said we have to use it again. So what are we going to do? We're going to throw one of them off the, the cliff. And we're going to have to find out who survived. And they do it, I guess, kind of well, where they show the killer at first. So you think the killer threw Roberto off the cliff. But yeah. it's just Jane fr- frantically just having a vision of Franz surviving. But it's actually Roberto. And it's like, oh, wow. Okay. I mean, it would have been cooler for me if the killer survived. You know, and, and uh, you know, it was Roberto that fell to his death. But that would make the movie a little bit longer. And, you know, at this point, you're ready for it to be concluded. So... With Franz dead, Roberto and Jane walk away to face a new day and, and talking about how them meeting this killer is a necessity, but maybe it's fate. No, you. Let's go fuck. Because your dick probably Because <laughs> he's a you doctor. Right he's does. got those medications. <laughs> he's, got the, he's got the medicine bag. So, yeah, so it's, just, it's another one of those ways for a jello to end where it just fucking ends. You know? Killer's dead. We live. Let's go. You know, presumably to go get the police and be like, hey, there's a body at the end of that cliff. Might want to find out <laughs> who it is. You go scrape it up. We're done. <laughs> or the body's not there and they're setting up torso too. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> it can happen. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be another one because usually Jawas don't get sequels, but who knows? It's 2021. Somebody might be listening and be like, man, I should make a sequel to Torso. Go ahead. You can do it. It's on Shutter. You can watch it. Get some pointers. Make one. But anyway, so that is Torso from 1973. That was my trick for this week. 
Ghoul, you're up next week. What do you got for us? I'm kind of like on the on the fence with a couple of different things at the moment. Um, oh, okay. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to uh, to get back to you on it. I am. Uh, I I, ha- I thought I knew what I wanted to do, but but now I'm changing things up a little bit. Man. So. I know. Oh, I know. I will, uh, I, I will let you guys all know by uh, by the, the latest tomorrow. And then you okay, can post well, away. Really going to make it wait here, man. I know. I know. Very I suck, but uh, but it is what it is. Well, no, because right. I mean, Gould, we've run into this problem before, you and I, anyway, where we have like three or four movies that we're like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna pick this one. It's gonna be that pick. And then when we get close to that time, I'm like, fuck, I don't know, man. Like, I don't, I've run into that problem every time it's my pick. I always have like five movies that I'm like, I got to narrow it down to one before the end of the episode. Like, you know, I got to pick one, and then you just you fucking you know roll the dice. Maybe you get a good episode, maybe you don't, who knows, but, you know, whatever. It's your pick, so you pick whatever the fuck you want, baby. Just pick it, we'll talk about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You, you, you pick whatever you want. You pick whatever you want. Oh, indeed. My, my nipples are hard, so, okay, we are, uh, I am all set. I, I am, I, I am hard with the anticipation to, to tell you what my pick We're going to have tomorrow. to get Twilight Brick and Dawn eventually, so maybe Brick and Dawn, part one. We can start on a cliffhanger. Oh, uh, uh, no. Don't put any fucking <laughs> ideas in his head. No, I thought we were going, yeah. going with the goal, the, the, the goal's fucked up pick. I thought that's what we were going with, to finally cover it. That's yeah, I, that's, that's, that's what I was thinking, too, but now I might save that for a different time. Again, like I said, I'll, uh, I, I shall let y'all know. Mood change, okay. they do, so we'll, we will find <laughs> out. So, anyway, Dean, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Dorso, and we'll see you back here next Hello, week you're for welcome. TBD pick. All right. Yes. And, uh, next week for the as-of-yet undetermined pick uh, for our next episode of Talking Dead. Ooh. Might be sexy. Who knows? All right, anyway, so, Monkey, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you back here next week. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror. Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right. And, cool. anything you want to plug, anything you want to tell our lovely audience as we depart this episode? Nah, just stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. Nah. I don't have anything to say. Nah. Keeping yeah. it simple, keeping it sexy, keeping it cool. Crazy, sexy, cool. Oh, too sexy. Too, too sexy. <laughs> no, no, too sexy. Too sexy. <laughs> Antonio Banderas. <laughs> He's a legend. A legend in the making. <laughs> but anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. Hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail Odorous. We'll see you back here next time for whatever the ghoul's going to pick. I'm saying Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1. We could go there. No! Or we could do something else. I mean, who knows? We'll find out, but we'll see you back here regardless.